Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, I'm Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. A 16-year-old girl goes missing just moments after being dropped off at the beach for her shift working as a lifeguard. Her remains were found three years later. However, the mystery still has not been solved. What happened to Molly Bish? Who killed her and why? Is Molly's murder connected to the disappearance of another little girl in the area? And 20 years later, where are we at with this case? We're going to dig into all of that tonight. But first, I do have a little bit of news to update you on. I started a true crime book club last year, and it's sort of evolved into being a true crime discussion group. We have a great little group of people, and if you're fascinated by true crime like we are, you will fit right in. We'll be having our next online Zoom soon, so make sure you are in the Facebook group for all of the details. We'll talk current cases and unsolved mysteries over a few drinks. 
If you look up Serial Society True Crime Discussion Group on Facebook, it should come up, but I'll also put the link in my show notes to make it easy. The other bit of news is that I've had several people reach out to me lately regarding my Patreon and asking how they can further support me. I sort of let it slide last year, but I'm working hard to revamp it all and pump out some new content. So the first Patreon-only episode, which is ad-free, will be out next week. So if you're looking for a way to support me, feel free to check out my Patreon options. Some of the benefits include bonus ad-free episodes, shoutouts, and behind-the-scenes content. That's at patreon.com slash serialnapper. Tonight's episode is sponsored by a new true crime blog that will give you your true crime fix in between episodes. Serialkillers.io has new true crime content posted every week to keep you entertained in between your favorite true crime podcasts. If you're interested in diving deeper into the backstories of these infamous criminals or just beefing up your general true crime knowledge, I know you'll love reading through the posts on Serialkillers.io. From criminal profiles to true crime facts that you had no idea about, the content is interesting, well-researched, and super satisfying for true crime lovers like you and I. Stay tuned halfway through the episode for a sneak peek of SerialKillers.io. I also have the link in my show notes so you can click on through. That's SerialKillers.io. Okay, let's jump into it. First of all, thank you to Megan for bringing this story to my attention. It's another case that I hadn't heard about, and I'm blown away that it's still unsolved. It's one of those ones that just drive you crazy that you want to see solved. I'm hoping to bring a little more attention to the story and just keep pushing for answers because nobody deserves to have a family member die like this under such mysterious circumstances, and whoever did this is a monster that should be stopped and brought to justice. Let's start with a little bit about who Molly Bish was because she was an incredible person. She's so sweet and I know you're just going to fall in love with her. Molly Bish was born on August 2nd, 1983. So today she would be three years older than me. I'm going to let you do the math there. She grew up in Warren, Massachusetts. She was beautiful, seriously, so pretty. She had blonde hair and these gorgeous blue eyes. She grew up in Warren, Massachusetts, but the family was originally from Detroit, Michigan. However, they moved away after a young woman had been abducted while walking home from work and was later found murdered. The Bish family felt that Warren, Massachusetts would be a much safer place to raise their children. This is one of those facts in the case that just seems like such a strange coincidence. Molly was the youngest of three siblings. She had an older sister and an older brother. In high school, she kept good grades. She was an honor roll student, and Molly had just completed her junior year of high school. She played soccer, basketball, and softball. She was very funny, she was social, she would talk to anybody, and it was said that she really just loved everyone. And when we get to some of the details of this case, you'll see just how true that is. She had a heart of gold. She was very empathetic, sensitive, and caring of others. In the summer of 2000, Molly was 16 years old and had just started a summer job as a lifeguard at Commons Pond, which was a local man-made swimming area surrounded by a forest. It was a pretty isolated location, but it was a popular spot for people to swim at, and there were also weekly swimming classes held here. 
Her older brother had previously held the same position that she was taking over. This was her very first job and she was so excited and proud about it. On the morning of June 27th, Molly's day started off not the greatest, pretty terrible. She had woken up to find out that one of her soccer teammates had been hit by a car and was in critical condition. Even though this was devastating news and she was really upset about it, she had committed to going to work that day. And that's just how reliable she was. So Molly and her mother Maggie get in the car and head to the pond. First, they stopped to pick up some water bottles for the day, and then they stopped at the police station to pick up her two-way radios. They arrived at Commons Pond at 10 a.m. Molly told her mother that she loved her, then left the car to go to her lifeguard post. This was the last time her mother would see her alive. Three hours later, Molly's mom Maggie receives an alarming phone call from a police officer. Several people had reported that there was no lifeguard on duty at the pond, which didn't make any sense because she had just dropped Molly off. Police initially assumed that Molly might have gone off with her friends, but her family knew that that just wasn't the case. That would have been completely out of character for her. So Maggie frantically rushed to the pond where she found Molly's flip-flops, her chair, her first aid kit open, her radio, and lunch sitting on the shore. However, there was no sign of Molly. It was as if she had walked over to her lifeguard chair to set up for the day and then had completely vanished. Molly's family began contacting her friends to see if any of them had heard from her, but nobody knew where Molly was. By the late afternoon, the Massachusetts State Police were also called in to help work the case. It was initially thought that maybe Molly had gone into the water and drowned, so the pond was searched extensively by divers and boats, but nothing was found. The next morning, an even larger search was conducted with helicopters and neighboring communities helping to search and distribute flyers. They also set up an email chain to get word out about Molly. Over 30,000 people received these emails about her disappearance. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Although there was no sign of a struggle at the scene, police and Molly's family were convinced that she had been abducted. Thinking back to the morning that she had dropped Molly off at the pond the day prior to her disappearance, Maggie remembered something that she saw that just seemed a little off to her. There had been a man sitting in a white car in the pond's parking lot. She found his presence to be just unsettling and uncomfortable. She had this really weird feeling about it, and I know that just about every female out there listening right now knows exactly what feeling I'm talking about. We have these internal alarms when we sense danger, and unfortunately, most times we ignore them, telling ourselves that we're just being paranoid. Well, on the day of Molly's actual disappearance, the following day, Maggie didn't see him there, thankfully. However, a person matching the same description was spotted by other witnesses in the parking lot at a nearby cemetery. A sketch of the man was created from Maggie Bish's story, and I'll have the picture posted over my Facebook page, but yeah, it's kind of a creepy picture. It looks like an older male with a mustache, and there's two photos. There's one of him just with the mustache, and then Maggie asked that one be created with him smoking, because when she saw him, he was smoking a cigarette. Maggie was certain that this composite was identical to the man that she had seen. But despite this and so many other leads, no trace of Molly or her abductor were found. 
The sketch did lead to many tips, but none panned out and a search of over 100 white cars in the area was done with no real leads to go on. An extensive search was immediately launched. It was to become the largest and most expensive search for a missing person ever undertaken in Massachusetts. Her case was profiled on numerous American television shows like Disappeared, America's Most Wanted, Unsolved Mysteries, and 48 Hours. There have been so many leads as to where Molly might be, but nothing has really led to anything solid. Police began to form a conclusion of what may have happened or could have happened the day that Molly went missing. They theorized that someone may have faked an injury. They might have asked her for something from the first aid kit, and when Molly bent down to open the kit, they attacked her. Someone may have also faked that they were drowning, and when Molly went into the water to rescue them, they overtook her. Both of these theories could be supported by the fact that her sandals were left behind and her first aid kit was found beside her chair open. The location of the pond led to a fork that led to either a cemetery or a wooded area. So police believed that after being attacked, she was likely dragged up the road to the cemetery where a car could easily escape without being noticed. And remember, that white car that Maggie had seen the day prior was seen that very day in the cemetery parking lot. Almost three years after her disappearance, a local hunter contacted police because he remembered seeing a blue bathing suit in a wooded area that was often frequently visited by hunters. This hunter had actually seen the bathing suit some time ago, but he never reported it to police because it was blue and he figured as a lifeguard, Molly probably would have been wearing an orange or a red bathing suit. So he called it in finally and the area was searched by police and a piece of the bathing suit was recovered. It was the same color as the bathing suit that Molly had worn the day she went missing. A DNA lab later confirmed that the material did in fact belong to the bathing suit Molly was wearing. So a massive search was done in that same area and a week after the discovery of the bathing suit, several bones were found from a hillside in Palmer of just a few miles from the pond. After testing, the bones were confirmed to be those of Molly Bish. The disappearance of Molly Bish three years later was now a murder investigation. Oddly enough, just 26 of Molly's 206 bones were recovered, and the rest of her body or her belongings, like her shirt, they've never been found. Her family sadly said their goodbyes in a horrible, terrible, very sad way. They kissed her bones and placed them in a baby basket and buried them, hoping that one day they might have answers as to what happened to Molly. Investigators told them that they should not opt for cremation because her bones still could contain crucial evidence. So the family decided to tuck the smaller coffin into a larger one, filled with letters from her friends, her prom dress, and important mementos, and then they buried her in a hillside cemetery near the pond that she loved. So let's talk about some potential theories and suspects. Obviously, the main suspect in this case is that man from the sketch, but he's never been identified. 
But police and the Bish family really went looking at the faces around town, and it startled the Bish family just how many registered sex offenders were living in the area. Police pretty much went down the list to see if they could maybe get a match from the sketch or a match with the vehicle, but no such luck, unfortunately. In 2008, a new suspect appeared in the case, a man named Rodney Stranger, who was arrested for the murder of his girlfriend, Crystal Morrison. Now, before Crystal's murder, she had actually claimed that he may have been involved in some murders in Massachusetts. We have no idea if that's Molly's murder or if she was talking about something else or if she was just talking up her ass, but he murdered her. And I don't know, it kind of seems like maybe he was trying to keep her quiet. A tip had come into police linking the two cases, and Rodney Stranger looked almost identical to the sketch in Molly's case. Honestly, guys, the sketch does look pretty similar. I'll have both photos posted over on my Facebook page so you can look yourself. Strangler had lived in the Warren area for years, and he was a hunter, so he knew the forest. And the YMCA, where Molly took her lifeguard classes, was located at 47 Everett Street in Southbridge. Now, at that same time that she was taking her classes, Rodney Stranger was living just a few blocks away at 232 Everett Street. A year after the murder, Rodney decided to pick up and move to Florida. Maybe he was trying to get out of town. I don't know. Rodney Stranger is currently serving a 25-year sentence for the murder of his girlfriend, but he has never been named as an official person of interest in this case. He's still in prison, and he's not talking. An investigator with this case actually met with him in the prison to see if they could get some information, and he brought along Molly's picture to show him. The investigator said, when I showed him Molly's picture and I put it in front of him, he looked down, he pushed it away. He could not look at her picture. In 2011, another sex offender named Gerald Battistoni was named as a suspect in Molly's murder. He also kind of resembles the composite. I don't know. Some people think he does. I'm sort of on the fence, but he had frequented the area where her body was found. He was also charged with rape at one point, and his rape victim also lived near the pond. Now, this guy, Gerald, he died in November of 2014, so that's going to be a tough one to determine. Police were hoping that maybe those close to him might come forward with information after his death, but unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Now, some believe that Molly's disappearance and her murder is connected to another little girl's murder. Holly Piranen was a 10-year-old girl from Grafton, Massachusetts. She and her brother had been visiting their grandparents' house in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, when Holly was murdered. Holly and her 5-year-old little brother, they went to a neighbor's house to go see some puppies. Her brother went home to the cottage where the grandparents lived right after, but Holly didn't make it home. Later that day, one of Holly's shoes was found by the side of a road. They searched for Holly for two months. It took two months to find her. And on October 23rd, 1993, Holly's remains were found by hunters in Brimfield, Massachusetts. The killer still has not been found. Molly Bish actually kind of has a connection to Holly more than just both disappearing. When Molly was little, she had written a letter to Holly's family following Holly's murder. This is an excerpt from Molly Bish's letter. It says, 
I am very sorry. I wish I could make it up to you. Holly is a very pretty girl. She is almost as tall as me. I wish I knew Holly. I hope they found her. That was Molly at age 10 writing that letter. Molly's mother said that she was just so afraid after Holly went missing that she found a little bit of comfort in being able to reach out to Holly's parents and sort of expressing her sadness and wishing them well. I just found that connection to be so surreal and it's more evidence of just what a sweet and kind-hearted person Molly was. Forensic evidence was found near Holly's body that had been linked to a man named David Pouliot. Now this Pouliot guy, when I looked at his photo, I gasped because holy shit does this look like the man in the composite sketch, seriously. And again, I'm going to post the photo over my Facebook page for you to compare, but whoa. Pouliot had a strong and long connection to the area. He was an avid hunter and he loved to fish around the area. So yeah, there's, there's that connection as well. Pouliot died in August of 2003 at the age of 49. A death certificate filed said that he died of congestive heart failure and hypertension with diabetes and cocaine use listed as contributing conditions. So unfortunately, this seems to be another dead end unless someone who knew him or has information comes forward. None of the persons of interest have ever been charged in this case, and it's unknown which, if any of them, are responsible. It could be one of them. It could be someone else. Honestly, like, we just don't know. Last year, the Bish family began pushing for the passage of a familial DNA bill, which would allow police to submit unknown DNA samples to ancestry websites, which would then seek a suspect's family members or even the killer himself, which hell, like, I'm all here for that. It's helped police to track down murderers in other states, but in Massachusetts, police are barred from doing this. It's a privacy issue. John and Maggie Bish, they went on to found the Molly Bish Foundation, which has worked to raise awareness of child safety and abductions. The foundation has helped to have fingerprint and photo records of thousands of children. They started a really big movement because previously we didn't really bother to worry about photos and fingerprints until we needed to, which is pretty much when it's too late. They've also helped to create the Molly Bish Center for the Protection of Children and the Elderly at Anna Marie College. And they have testified before the state legislator about laws involving sex offender registration and notification and redesigning state license plates to make them easier to see and to remember. In recent years, John Bish, her dad, had a stroke in 2007, and Maggie Bish, the mom, had back surgery two years ago. They haven't been doing so great health-wise. Molly's sister, Heather, has had to take a larger role in carrying on her parents' mission. Though they never thought in a million years that 20 years later we'd still have no answers, the family isn't giving up. And the tip line is still open. I'm going to give you the number here. It can be reached at 508-453-7575 if you have any, any information at all regarding the disappearance and murder of Molly Bish. There's a tip line number for you. This is the first unsolved case that we're going to be discussing in my Facebook group, Serial Society True Crime Discussion Group. And we're going to have a Zoom, so I'll be posting more resources over there, and I hope you will join me.
I would like to once again thank tonight's sponsor. Visit SerialKillers.io, a new true crime blog with new content posted every week to keep you entertained in between your favorite true crime podcasts. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me over on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. I'm also on Twitter, Serial underscore Napper, or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye. I'm Dean. I'm the dad. I'm Laura. I'm the mom. And I'm Crystalyn. I'm the daughter. And together we are Family Plot. The Family Plot Podcast, a show where we discuss history, folklore, true crime, and the paranormal. Minus all the oogie bits. The RPG-13 almost 15 now. Don't the commercial. Do catch us looking into special topics like the origins of fairy tales. Sherlock Holmes. And the trial of Dr. Hyde and Mr. Swope. Find out who Dad Man Crush is. Or what happens in Krista's corner. But behave you two. So come be a part of the fam. Available on Google, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Family Plot Podcast. Bye!